Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus and his disciples have just admired the great stones of the temple. Historians say that some of these stone blocks measured 37 feet long, 18 feet wide, and 12 feet high. And they were decorated with gold. This temple was one of the most impressive man-made structures of the ancient world. And so it's really no wonder that Jesus' disciples are marveling at the beauty of this great building. Religious life is beautiful for them, certainly. But Jesus warns them that it will all be destroyed. Jesus foreshadows the destruction of the temple in 70 AD when the Romans would destroy the temple. But also here, Jesus is foreshadowing the events that will happen at the end of the world. He says false messiahs will arise to lead people astray. There'll be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and famines. And this destruction will not only take place in the world, but it will also affect the church. Jesus says that believers will be persecuted. Churches which are family-friendly will fall apart as brother delivers brother to death. Fathers will turn in their children. Children will rise against parents and have them put to death. This vision that, that Jesus gives is horrifying. And for the disciples, it lies in the distance. But for us, as believers today, I think it hits closer to home. That's one thing that, that I get asked quite often as pastors. People will, will come to me and, and say, with everything going on, with everything I see in the news, are we in the end times? And the answer is yes. Absolutely yes. And we have been. Ever since Jesus ascended into heaven, we've been living in the end times. You know, somewhere amid these visions of destruction, we see the ordinary pavement of our streets. After all, we're familiar with fires and droughts in the west, hurricanes and flooding in the east, wars, rumors of wars, families falling apart as faith conflicts with the world's ways of doing things. We look around and certainly we see destruction. We see the effects of sin, death, and the devil. And our cry goes up, how long? How long do we have to wait? How long do we have to endure until Christ comes again? We hope to survive as the world around us falls apart. And again, we look around, everywhere we, we look, we see suffering. But Jesus today is not calling us to look. He's calling us to listen. Notice in our text how Jesus punctuates his horrifying vision with words of comfort. In verse 7, he says, do not be alarmed. In verse 11, he says, do not be anxious. And he speaks words of promise to those who are facing destruction. Amid this suffering, we're told the gospel will be proclaimed. It'll be proclaimed to all nations. 
the Holy Spirit will speak and even give you the words to say. There will be an end to destruction. And then, as we heard at the end, those who endure to the end will be saved. There will be an end to that destruction. And those who have faith, those who endure to the end, will be saved. You know, at this point in the gospel, the disciples don't yet know what it means for Jesus to be Lord. Yes, they've seen his miracles, they've heard his teachings, but they have not yet seen him rise from the dead. In a few days, their entire world will have fallen around them. Jesus will be dead. Religion and its leaders will be thick with deceit. But then Jesus will appear, risen from the dead. He who took on the brutal forces of sin, who died under the wrath of God, will rise to reveal the conquering power of God's eternal love. He will be the source of life and everlasting salvation for all who believe and follow him. Now, such following, however, is oftentimes difficult. Again, we look around and we clearly see the destruction of our world. But we have a harder time seeing the work of God. But Jesus reminds us that no earthquake, no fire, no hurricane, nothing can overcome the grace of God. It reminds us of Romans chapter 8 where Paul reminds us that there is nothing, absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Christ will rule this world in the end. Until that time, he calls us to hear his voice, to listen to him as he speaks to us. As he gives us that promise that he will preserve his people. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's why it's so important for us to continue to gather here together in God's house. Around his wonderful gifts of word and sacrament. Just as uh, our epistle lesson encouraged us there to not neglect meeting together but encourage one another all the more as the day draws near you know, we live in a day and age where you know we can have God's word anywhere we go which is a, certainly a great blessing but it doesn't make up for the fact that we also need to be gathered here where God feeds us uh, and nurtures us with word and sacrament, where we're able to encourage one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, where we receive the Lord's Supper, where he, Jesus feeds us with himself and his forgiveness and grace. There is nothing that can replace that. And so we encourage one another. We gather together all the more as we see the day coming near. God's word and his promises give us the strength that we need to face this world, to face whatever comes our way. And actually, Christ will do more than that. He will certainly preserve us as his people, but he also pursues us. I've always found great comfort in Psalm 23, as, as many people do. A psalm just has so much goodness packed into a tiny psalm. <coughs> The vision of, of the Lord as our good shepherd, 
the green pastures, the cool waters, the presence of the one who walks with us even through the valley of the shadow of death. But then when the psalm ends, we hear one more glimpse of comfort. The psalmist writes, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And that word follow there means pursue. It's the Hebrew word radaf. And so until the end of our life, we know that Jesus will pursue us with his love and grace. And that Hebrew word radaf is, is no gentle word. That word means to pursue in the same way that Pharaoh hounded Israel even into the sea. Or like Abram in armed pursuit of his enemies in Genesis chapter 14. Radaf is a word that certainly packs a punch. It's full of energy and sweat and an unswerving commitment to reach your goal. And so when we look at it that way, we, we see this imagery. It's not the goodness and mercy of God. Don't follow us around like some kind of good little puppy dog. Rather, the goodness and mercy of God chase us down. They stay hot at our heels. The goodness and mercy of God redop us all the way to heaven's gate and into the arms of our loving Heavenly Father. And so, though we see the world changing, the storm clouds gathering on the horizon, though in fear we run away from all the, the suffering and, and destruction in the world, there is one thing that we will never escape, and that's the love of God. Jesus has risen from the dead. And he reigns now and for all of eternity. And he will call you with his voice and pursue you with his love. As the world around us falls apart, rest assured, you are falling into the hands of Christ. And caught by his gracious love, he calls you today. Do not be anxious. Do not fear. Wherever you go, he will follow and in the end, he will welcome us home. Amen.